Welcome to Strange Familiars. Thanks, Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight's a weird one. Okay, so I don't know if it's just almost like Stockholm Syndrome, but you're reeling me in. (laughs) I'm reeling you in on the weirdo stuff. This one... This one even makes, uh, would make a cynic pause. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I find this particular uh, revelation shocking. Shocking? Yeah. So this is coming from Mrs. Skeptic. Yeah. My wife. (laughs) The resident skeptic at Strange I I feel like I've almost attained doctor level of skepticism. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know what you'd need to do for a master's or doctoral thesis in skepticism, but... So this is sort of a follow-up episode to episode 62, which was the Mirror Men Who Moved Like Owls episode. And they were flannel men too, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is Jedediah. He saw these two entities that sort of met the description of flannel men, Mm -hmm. but there were two of them, and they mirrored each other's movements. I'm just going to play a clip of Jedediah Mm -hmm. describing what he saw. But anyways, I had woke up, and it was late, late. I mean, I I have no idea. Maybe midnight, maybe 3 a.m., not sure. And I saw what, for a second, I thought it was my great uncle, because... So he was in his like 80s, 70s, 80s at this time. At this time, he lived on into the 90s. So he was probably in his late 70s. And he would always be wearing like, <laughs> especially like if it was chilly or cold, even in the dead of winter, he would have like 80 like different layers of flannels, t-shirts, you know, like mm-hmm. long sleeve shirts to me. Mm-hmm. He never wore coats. It was really funny. But anyways, I thought I saw him, but then I realized I'm looking at two guys, but they were like elderly looking and they were identically, they had like a, like a nicotine stained yellow type plaid shirts on the same. And they were like talking to each other, kind of, it looked like that's what they were doing, but their arms were like really exaggerated gestures like back and forth, you know, Mm -hmm. but they were like the same. They were almost mirrored. And then, uh, so I, then like, I think I felt like I could tell that they could tell that I was looking at them. So when you saw them, were they inside or outside? No, no, no. They're right outside the window. Okay. So they're outside the window. Okay. Like, yeah, I forgot to tell you that. Uh, this is like outdoor, like, right outside that outside the window. So they were like really gesturing and it looked like they were talking. And then as they must've noticed, I was looking at them. They both turned their faces towards me. And then this is like the weirdest thing, but you know, like a barn owl, like how their heads do that circular motion. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like they have that heart face. Mm Mm-hmm. They were doing that, like, as if their heads weren't attached to the body, kind of. Like, it was totally unnatural. And that's what scared the crap out of me. Wow. So, 
I turned because I knew I, I was so scared. I wanted to go run to my parents. You know, I was frozen, scared. And then I turned my head to kind of like plan my escape, if you will. Cause like, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of cluttered too. Cause like old people's house. <laughs> and then as I look back, they're gone, totally gone. So that's a refresher on that episode for people. And I want to say, if you haven't listened to our Flannel Man episodes, you should probably go back and listen to one or two of the Flannel Man episodes also. It's pretty important. It's like, if you didn't know who Dracula was, like, <laughs> I'd say go back. It's going to be it's gonna be integral to the, <laughs> the coming story. Which we've talked about a lot. And Flannel Man, I, I, like I always say, we didn't, we didn't invent him. Mm-hmm. The it's flannel some, came to us. It's something I mentioned offhandedly and then got a huge response. John Keel mentions something that seems to fit the description of Flannel Man, at least as far back as Mothman prophecies, and, and I think even before that. So this isn't something I came up with or we came up with. But this story tonight goes back even further. It does. It really does. And it's... To the dawn of the flannel man. It's one of these stories where someone sent us this article, like offhandedly. Uh Have you ever heard of this? This this sounds interesting or this sounds like it might be be related. And then we did a little more digging and it was like, what? So I guess let's get into it. Okay. It was a Strange Familiars listener that... It was. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. So we've been documenting these flannel man mm-hmm. sightings. As soon as we published episode 62, mm-hmm. I almost immediately got a message from TJ was the first one. And, and there were a few other listeners as well who said, Hey, these mirror men are a thing too. Like you have flannel man and there's this other podcast, I guess called monsters among us. Mm-hmm. That's been documenting these mirrored men sightings where people are seeing these entities that mirror each other's movement like this. There's usually three of them, I think, in most reports. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the witnesses experience missing time or, or other weird effects after seeing them, apparently. And he's reported several of these on Monsters Among Us. A couple other podcasts have taken reports of them. I think maybe I heard of them, but I hadn't really... I hadn't taken any encounters myself. And my encyclopedia-like brain for the paranormal really kind of doesn't go far beyond Bigfoot. I, can, <laughs> I, I, have, I have so much Bigfoot I store in there that there's not, there's not a there's lot of There's hardly time for a Roswell. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I'd like to, uh, and UFO information, I'm, 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 that's probably really lacking on that. There's a, when I go on Where Did the Road Go, it becomes painfully obvious because all those guys are, like, super UFO heads, and they know, like, all these famous sightings and stuff, and I just don't. I just, just, just not. It's not that I'm not interested in it. It's just my thing is has been Bigfoot, and that's mm-hmm. you know I have a huge store of information on Bigfoot in my head, but not much on this other stuff. Not that I'm not interested in it. Mm-hmm. I'd say you know for what little information there is about Final Man, I have a I have it in there. You know I, yeah. I have the same. We seem to be the the clearinghouse for Final Man. 
and then you we're never know what your calling is going to be. <laughs> when people are called to the cloth, I didn't think it was going to be flannel. Right. <laughs> and we get these other weird reports that are coming in too. And I'll be surprised if we don't get some mirrored men sightings after these. Yeah, two or episodes. some hybrid mirror people. So I was hoping we'd get at least one other mirrored man witness that mm-hmm. we could put up this episode because I'd like to give an example other than Jedediah's or these other mirror men sightings before we get into this other thing. Well, it sounds like Alice. Alice. Yeah, Alice through the looking glass in that period of time where she's kind of on both sides of the mirror. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It does. I mean, this is truly strange stuff. So in lieu of that, there is on Phantoms and Monsters website, this is Lon Strickler's website, an account from Halloween of 2018. No, so this is a very recent... This is fairly recent. Now, well, this is when it was, you know, published on Phantoms and oh, Monsters. Okay. I'm not sure when the account exactly was from. The Mirrored Men. So this is, I, I believe this is the, the words of the witness here. I was in the woods of Southern California. I was in the middle of a training session when I was told to stay off the road. Okay, cool, I said. About 2 a.m., me and my partner are moving to another spot when I spot three people walking on the road. I immediately told him to hold, and we moved into the shadows. What we saw was very unusual. The beings, or men, were the same exact height, moving at the same exact speed, with the same exact step and arm swing. I wasn't scared, but I was like, what the F? I asked some others later on, and a couple of guys said they saw the same, and it was weird, too. Due to the nature of the job, I must be vague about what his job was. Mm. He's referencing that. It was in July. We were on a navigation night exercise. One of my favorites because they're high speed and thrilling. There's a group of us doing this evolution. We spin off into twos. Woods at night can play tricks on your mind real easy. But my partner and I have laser-like focus, so we're not spooked by this. Hours go on as we make our way to checkpoints. Our last checkpoint was hard and very far. It took forever, and we thought we were lost, so we had to recheck our map to see where we were at. We used the moon's light to gather our exact whereabout. Well, best lighting is by the road, so we went by it. That's when I saw, in the distance, three things, people, or whatever, walking in the road. I was like, F, instructors. I told my partner to dip off into the shadows so they couldn't see us. When they walked past us, it was trippy. All three the same height, six foot seven or so, all in unison, not out of step, not a step out of place, nor arm, and saying something in some foreign language. It was weird, and my thoughts were, these instructors are in need of civilization. These fools are tripping. I asked my nav partner, WTF, and shrugged it off. We finally made it to the last checkpoint. Others were there, and I asked around about any tall instructors. Everyone said no. Two dudes walked up to me and said they saw some dudes walking perfectly together and they dove into some bushes before they got near. They said it looked trippy, too. I don't know. Man, it was wild. That was from Lon, from Phantoms and Monsters. And then at the bottom of that article, he says, I was given the following explanation of this phenomenon. The mirrored man is a phenomenon in which two or three beings are observed looking and moving exactly alike, as if one is looking at a mirror image of the same being. Derek Hayes, host of the Monsters Among Us podcast, was the first to stumble upon the phenomenon after he covered a story on his show and received numerous reports from other people who have claimed to encounter these same beings. So, odd, right? And mm-hmm. it's very much like what Jedediah had described. Yeah. Except 
his were facing each other. There were mm-hmm. only two of them. They were facing each other when he first saw him, and then they turned and looked at him. What you were saying about uh, the account I read. Yeah, the account you read, it was, they, that the people who observed this said that the men needed to be... They were in need of civilization. In need of civilization. What does that mean? It seemed like it was like an army guy or something. Like, right, yeah, like that's a, what it seems like. They were on some kind of maneuvers. Is, is that a term they use in the military commonly? I don't know. I don't know, but it's interesting in in um, response to what we're going to talk about. And that's the very true. insular nature of this particular... Oh, that's true. I wasn't thinking along those lines. Yeah. Here's another account of something which sounds like some of these mirrored men. This comes from the Beyond Creepy YouTube channel. This was used with permission from Beyond Creepy, so thank you so much. If you get a chance, check out their channel, Beyond Creepy. There's lots and lots of creepy, paranormal type stuff there you all might be interested in. We will put a link in the show notes to Beyond Creepy. This comes from their video that's titled Mirrored Men and More. It was August 2005, Plainfield, Indiana. The witness, who lived in a highly developed housing neighborhood, was staying up late at night watching television when he suddenly felt compelled to look out the window of his second-story unit. When he glanced at the clock, it was around 4.20 a.m. He rose from his bed and slowly peeked out from behind the blinds. That's when he saw across the street, right underneath a streetlight, three entities walking. There was a tall one, a shorter one, and another tall one. In that order, the short one was in between the two tall ones. He noted that they were skinny, had long limbs, slightly larger heads than humans, and walked in a strange manner. One of the oddest things about the experience was that At the exact second that he looked out the blinds, the entities turned and stared at him as if they knew he would be looking out the window at that exact second. The other very strange thing about them was that they were not walking side by side as most regular people would do. They were walking in a single file and walked in a sort of mechanical zombie manner, arms bent back dangling, knees bent, and heads dangling as well, but cocked so they could stare at the witness. However, because of an unspecified glare outside the room, the witness could not make out any specific facial details or the color of their skin. They kept staring at the witness as they walked, and the witness felt compelled to stare back. The trio eventually went out of sight, obscured behind a row of houses. When he could no longer see them anymore, the witness remembers backing away from the window, putting his hands on his head, and saying, What do I do now? For some inexplicable reason, his legs gave out, and he crumpled to the floor. He crawled over to his bed and got back in. He began to panic. His heart was racing. His legs felt useless. 
and he had the feeling that if he fell asleep, he might not ever wake up again. He contemplated calling his older sister, or possibly 911, but elected not to. Eventually things settled down, and he was finally able to regain the use of his legs. Strange Familiars is brought to you by our patrons. Thank you, patrons. You make Strange Familiars happen. Without you, there would be no Strange Familiars. If you'd like to help us make shows and bring in more Strange Familiars and make sure we keep going. Keep Flannel Man alive. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. $3 a month gets you extra content. We do at least one full extra show for patrons every month. We try to do more. Usually we've been knocking out two the past few months. And there are different levels of support there as well. If you want to get other bonuses like t-shirts and stickers and pins and more, you can go there and look at all the different levels of support. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And if you'd like to help us out, but you don't want to do the subscription thing, you don't want to do the Patreon thing, There's a link in the show notes at strangefamiliars.com. It's a paypal.me address, and you can click on that and do a one-time donation if you can afford it. That really helps us out as well. So we have... We have the flannel man, which yeah. we've been reporting on, which you yourself saw, Allison. I know. So I'm kind of so jealous of that. If you'd like to take some of my nightmares off my hands for me, that's fine. Go for it. <laughs> have you had nightmares relative to flannel man? Since no, then? I've never seen it's him just again. It's just the yeah. one thing. Mm-hmm. So we have the flannel man, mm-hmm. and we have the mirrored man. Mm-hmm. And we get this email from this listener. Uh, his first name's Adam. Okay. He might not want to be outed as the... Adam O, I believe yeah. was his last name. That's yeah, thanks, name. Adam. So thank you, Adam, for sending this email. And he just sent me a link to a Wikipedia article <laughs> and said, this sounds a lot like... Both those things. What you're talking uh-huh. about. The jumping Frenchman of Maine. That's the Wikipedia article. Yeah, which in its own right sounds like a Strange Familiars episode. But right? then... It's cool. It's right? cool. So it's it gets me in the first line uh-huh. here. So the jumping Frenchmen of Maine were a group of nineteenth century lumberjacks. What? <laughs> <laughs> a group of nineteenth century lumberjacks who exhibited a rare disorder of unknown origin. The syndrome entails an exaggerated startle reflex, which may be described as an uncontrollable jump. Individuals with this condition can exhibit sudden movements in all parts of the body. Jumping Frenchman syndrome shares some symptoms with other startle disorders. Individuals with this condition were first found in the Moosehead Lake region of Maine and were first described by George Miller Beard in 1878. George Miller Beard recorded individuals who would obey any command given suddenly, even if it meant striking a loved one. The jumping Frenchman seemed to react abnormally to sudden stimuli. The more common and less intense symptoms consisted of jumping, yelling, and hitting. These individuals exhibited outrageous bursts, 
and many describe themselves as ticklish and shy. By the way, I read, I came across an article, which we won't be reading, of someone who killed someone with jumping Frenchman. Yeah, I read that too, yeah. By tickling him to death. Did you? Oh, no, this was a different um, jumping Frenchman revenge scenario. No, this was someone who tickled him to death. He tickled him. They were so ticklish they got an aneurysm. Oh, my. And bled out. That's horrific. Right? Yeah. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> These individuals exhibited outrageous bursts, and many describe themselves as ticklish and shy. Other cases involved echolalia, which is repeating vocalizations made by another person. Mm-hmm. And echoproxia, repeating movements made by another person. I just got chills even reading that, even mm-hmm. knowing it was coming, and knowing how much we've discussed this already. And it wouldn't be weird enough for it just to be like a, a mirroring phenomenon. This happened distinctly to one tiny little group of people who just happened to be lumberjacks. Exactly. Exactly. So we have lumberjacks that can mirror each other's movements. Mm-hmm. Would you also like to tell everyone where other instances of jumping Frenchman syndrome happening? Yeah, so the basically in the Wikipedia article it says Moosehead Lake, Maine. But it also happens in other logging regions in northern United States, including Michigan, which is where Jedediah saw the, the mirrored jumping Frenchman lumberjack fl- flannel men. Flannel men or whatever they, they are. <laughs> now, this is somewhat speculative as we're going into this, mm-hmm. as all paranormal is. So let's mm-hmm. just say that. Everything in paranormal is, is pretty much speculative. We, we mm-hmm. don't have proof for any of this. But it's so, it's one of those things that has so many, like, it ticks so many boxes. Mm-hmm. It's lumberjacks. It's from the same region Jedediah saw. And it's this weird syndrome where they can mirror each other's movements. Mm-hmm. That's part of this possible syndrome. Also, the other curious thing, I don't know if you plan on getting into this quite yet, but the doctor who started, who went to these uh, remote locations and was trying to kind of suss out the nature versus nurture aspect of the disease, he wrote a substantial paper on the nature of trance. Right. Different forms of trance and trance in neurological diseases. And to me, this sort of extreme suggestibility, is that not indicative of like a hypnotic state, a trance-like state, I where, mean, where you're be. open to suggestion in a way that you wouldn't be? The, the thing that's odd about it is that there's truly, it's a compulsive thing. The person, if someone tells them to jump, they don't. they no longer have control over whether they jump or not. Yeah, right. And, and they, I mean, there are some tragic stories, too, about mm-hmm. guys telling people to jump off of boats into icy water. and then Or to dying. hurt people, to hit hit pe- other people, to yeah, hurt I people mean, with axes. To, people were cruel. Yeah, and they became like the butt of the jokes around the camps. Yeah, and, and they would do these uh, these mean tricks to these guys, basically, or or get you know one guy to hit another guy in the back mm-hmm. of the head. I know. guess like the closest thing to something that people have heard of is probably uh, and actually dr beard later on worked with dr tourette they were working in, in concert at a certain time together so it's it has some parallels with tourette syndrome but, but it also happens very similar symptoms in other isolated regions there's what they call the raging cajuns 
which is a Louisiana version of this. See, no, There's I a for- Malaysian version of this. Did they call someone? Did they call the? Who'd they call the Raging Cajun? Was- oh, it was um, Clinton's advisor, the one that was um, the oh, bald-headed I, guy. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. They, they call it, yeah. And who knew there was like a neurological What's disorder called, <laughs> yeah. called the Raging Cajuns? But it's a very similar thing, right? Yeah. And there's one, There's a, a disease that uh, affects uh, a lot of times, they said middle-aged women and... This was sort of antiquated language, but I guess they were referring to probably like the transsexual sex trade workers of Malaysia. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's, it's, it tends to be isolated population. Yes, and that's what Beard kind of went into. He thought that that was partially responsible for it, the lack of relation to the outer world or civilization. Yeah, I know one article, and it may be one of the articles we, we read or not, mentioned that it... It was a lot of people who had these sort of employment, you know, away from others, like out in the in rural areas or in the woods, mm-hmm. away from other people. He also talked about how incredibly stressful logging life was, how dangerous it was. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. And we also have to take into account how much of a, what you would generally find in civilization, which would be mixed company, that's eliminated. Right. Another thing you pointed out, and so many people have used, you know, sort of jokingly, Paul Bunyan as a reference to Flannel Man. Like, uh-huh. you know, maybe Flannel Man represents Paul Bunyan in so uh-huh. But he comes from that same French-Canadian Quebecois. Yeah, so when they talk about the jumping Frenchmen, they were actually French-Canadians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so does, and Paul Bunyan was... Paul Bunyan was a French-Canadian lumberjack. <laughs> And I'm not going to do the pronunciation right, but I guess in, in Quebecois, that's short for, I guess it's bon, like good, and then Y-E-N-N-E, so I can only assume it's yen that way. Huh. So they were recording this this syndrome as far back as the... Um, Beard started looking into it in the late 1870s. Okay. So this is... Well, this predates that then, this article. This article was from 1861. So they knew of the syndrome, I guess, before he started looking into it. And it is from the Buffalo Daily Republic. The Jumping Frenchman of Canada. The Aroostook... Aroostook? Sorry for my pronunciation. Someone will correct me. Just assume you're going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the Aroostook Pioneer contains an article on Jumping Frenchmen. From the pen of Reverend M.R. Keep, who says that this singular phenomenon pervades probably a third or fourth part of all the men among the Madawaska French who are known as jumpers or jumping Frenchmen, terms that are quite familiar with all who have any acquaintance in the settlement or with the men who came from there. However this phenomenon may be explained, the certain fact is that during the spasm they have no personal control of their actions, nor do they act out anything before thought of in the case as taking ether or exhilarating gas. In social parties of either man mixed sexes, it often serves as a means of much merriment. Sometimes when a man has hold and is ready for a large fit, a jumping start will put him through a good job. Those who understand the matter and practice on their victims can tell them what to do at the same instant of giving them the sudden start, and they will do it, no matter what it is. At Fish River Mills, they have been jumped out of a boat in the middle of the river. 
someone on shore would, on a sudden, tell them to throw their paddle and then jump out of the boat or canoe. And they would do both, where the water was ten feet deep and ice running. The meaning of it is that they are victims of sudden starts or frights and involuntary, uncontrollable spasmodic jumping, accompanied with an involuntary, unearthly scream. So here we have a note of an unearthly scream. Wow. Another paranormal thing, you know. Mm -hmm. All of which, to strangers not accustomed to the phenomenon, is mysterious and frightful. It is hard calculating the length of time that the spasm continues. It is but little more than momentary, though it seems long sometimes on account of the pain sensations endured by the victims and the bystanders. Dr. Beard went on to discover what was termed Americanitis, which is sort of a forerunner of Epstein-Barr or fatigue-based autoimmune neurological disorders that he thought were because of the uh, changes in American culture. Really? Mm-hmm. He's really kind of ahead of his time. I was going to say, he's, yeah, he seems kind of prolific. Yeah, he was a Yale graduate, um, Civil War veteran doctor. So this article is from later. This is from 1898, from the news from Newport, Pennsylvania. The Newport News. The New Gnu Review. <laughs> You are giving away your age. <laughs> no, Gary Gnu is giving away his age. <laughs> jumpers of the woods, the strange malady found in the lumber camps. Its victims known as jumping Frenchmen. Tragic and ludicrous results of an abnormal state of the nerves. No women ever found among the victims. Well, that's interesting. It doesn't affect women. Well, it does, but in much slower degrees. Oh, okay. he, he did find some instances they were still amongst among those french canadian people people living within the camps i don't think he found any evidence of this disease when it wasn't associated with you know like an insular group like this right right but it seems like it became so ingrained in the culture that people just knew who jumpers were yeah that it was just a thing you know like yeah Jumping Frenchmen, as the men afflicted with this disease are called, are found in the lumber camps of the Northwest. The main sufferers, says a Chicago correspondent of the New York Sun, are the French-Canadian swampers and choppers, although Americans, Germans, Irishmen, and Scandinavians who have remained long in the woods are not infrequently attacked. But as it was first noticed among the French-Canadian woodsmen, the disease came to be known as the jumping Frenchman habit, and for many years those afflicted with it have been known as jumpers. These jumpers are the victims of a nervous disease, which causes them to obey blindly and mechanically any sudden command, especially when accompanied by a sharp poke in the back or the ribs. If commanded to strike, the jumper does so, no matter what he may have in his hands, no matter what may be in front of him. So widespread is the jumping habit or disease in the lumber regions of Michigan, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, Minnesota, and the Canadian Northwest, that in many of the camps, there is an ironclad rule to the effect that any man in camp who shall be found guilty of speaking to or touching one of the jumpers for the purpose of causing him to make an exhibition of himself shall be discharged immediately. This rule was made after many practical jokes played upon jumpers have resulted seriously, but in spite of it, woodsmen still indulge in their rough fun with the jumpers. The sufferers from this malady are not thin, broken-down individuals with a bad case of nerves, as might be imagined 
but are as a rule big brawny men. Oh snap! <laughs> the brawny man. He's the other. Uh, he's, he's our other archetype. He's the other archetype of. Oh. He literally said brawny man. Big brawny men, sound of limb and lung, who, when let alone, are most capable men in the pine forest. The physicians who have examined them are of the opinion that their nervous system in some way becomes affected by the solitary and isolated lives they lead, and that they can no more help obeying the commands given them than a babe can help being born into the world. Now that's interesting too, because we once again have this idea that going off by yourself is dangerous, and we talked about this with the wild men before, Mm -hmm. where leaving society is dangerous. It causes disease. It causes disease, it causes mental problems. If you go off into the woods, you're, it can cause problems. Well, I mean, if you think of it in sort of like an autoimmune response to a lack of human contact, and then human contact is thrust upon you. Almost as if you're you're in a sensory deprivation. Yeah, you, and so the, everything becomes hypersensitive. Which sensory deprivation also ties to trance. Mm. Let's put a pin in that. We'll get back to that. <laughs> Got a lot of pins here. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the article. It is touch and go with them, as has been demonstrated time and again, and when in this condition, they do not appear to see or realize any danger that may lie ahead of them. No jokes are too rough for the woodsmen of the north, who for the most part are men familiar with all kinds of danger, hardship, and pain. They have no mercy upon the jumpers, who are frequently compelled to endanger their own lives or the life of a companion for the amusement of the crew making up the camp. Frequently, the jokes are of a somewhat ludicrous nature. Pies and puddings are a rarity in most of the lumber camps of the Northwest, and nothing pleases the non-jumpers better than to suddenly command a jumper to throw it away when he's in the act of eating his portion of the delicacy. Quick as a flash, the pie or pudding is thrown straight ahead, not infrequently landing squarely in the face of a member of the crew, who can only join in the general laugh, which follows. Sounds like a load of fun working with these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think isn't rough fun sort of a semantic difference between bullying? (laughs) Yeah, right. Among the men employed by the Shaw Lumber Company of Euclid, Wisconsin, in one of its camps on the Chippewa River were four jumpers, and some of the tricks played upon them were attended by such tragic results that they will always linger in the memory of the men employed in the camp. Tom Reynolds, the foreman, was a man who took delight in having fun with the jumpers, He was a fellow utterly devoid of feeling, except when his little son, whose mother had died in bringing him into the world, was concerned, and when this boy was accidentally slain by a jumper, Reynolds immediately murdered the man and later on destroyed himself. Was this the one you were talking about? Yeah. the case you were talking about? When the river broke in the spring and the rushing water was full of logs, the drive being well underway, the men were all assembled on the banks one morning. One of the jumpers stepped on a log near the shore and began rolling it. While the men were admiring his dexterity, Reynolds came along, and before the party realized what he was doing, he had commanded the jumper to dive into the flood. The poor fellow obeyed instantly, and when his companions recovered his body, life was extinct, the unfortunate man's skull having been crushed like an eggshell by coming in contact with a log. Of course, the whole thing was an accident, but all the men blamed Reynolds, and several of the woodsmen got their time checks and quit right there and then. But Reynolds was not yet satisfied. He must have more fun with the jumping Frenchman. About a week before the drive was over, he had his little son brought up from Cadot. Cadot? It's two T's. Would that be Cadot? I'm not sure. I know it was Eau Claire, though. <laughs> Is it Eau Claire? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Should have corrected me at the time, not afterwards. 
in order that the little chap might witness the sight of millions of logs running down the stream on their way to Half Moon Lake, the big natural reservoir just above Eau Claire. <laughs> Eau Claire. Where all the logs cut in the district tributary to that city are stored until wanted. As the men were sitting around camp one evening, the subject of jumping Frenchmen was brought up, and Reynolds' boy began asking questions in regard to them. At the time, McManus was splitting wood nearby. Calling his boy to him, Reynolds said that he would give the youngster a practical illustration. Then he started toward McManus, who was totally unaware of what was going on. Just as Reynolds reached McManus, poked him in the back, and commanded him to throw his axe, the little boy ran in front of the chopper and was struck in the head by the flying axe, which fractured the skull. As the boy dropped to the ground, Reynolds and McManus stood for a moment as if carved it from stone. Then, with a yell of rage, Reynolds rushed upon the unfortunate jumper, and before the other men could reach the struggling pair, he had choked the life out of him. Reynolds was at once taken into custody while the boy was removed to a hospital in Eau Claire, <laughs> where he afterward died. In due time, Reynolds was tried on charge of murder. But Reynolds was acquitted on the ground of temporary insanity. An effort was made during the trial to have the court take cognizance of the jumping disease, but it refused to do so, holding that the malady did not enter into the merits of the case in any particular. After his acquittal, Reynolds seemed overcome with remorse at having killed McManus, and with grief over the death of his little son, and in less than a year he died from a bullet wound inflicted by himself, a broken-down drunkard. Wow. Ludicrous scenes are sometimes caused by one of these jumpers. Not many months ago, several Minneapolis lumbermen were walking down Nicolette Avenue in that city with a jumper among them when one of the party saw his wife approaching. Just as the woman came up, the jumper was poked in the back in order to kiss her. Instantly, he sprang forward, threw his arms around the astonished woman, and pressed several kisses on her flushed face, then fell back, covered with confusion over what he had done. A policeman came rushing up and was on the point of arresting the whole party on a charge of disorderly conduct when the husband of the woman explained. The wife refused, of course, to enter a complaint against the kisser. Well, maybe he's a good kisser. <laughs> Later in the day, the jumper was compelled to strike at the surveyor general of the district and go through a dozen other exhibitions to the great amusement of his friends. The jumping disease is found chiefly in people of little education, Although cases are known where men of good education are afflicted. That seems kind of... Yeah, well... Yeah. As if you're immune to neurological disorders, if you're... Yeah. Well, we don't... We'll get into that, too. Mm. We don't quite know if it's a neurological disorder. Never yet has a woman been found who possessed the jumping habit. Again, you said that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. But it seems to be... Pre predominantly men. Yeah. The unfortunates claim they cannot resist, try as they will, the commands given them. In cases where a victim's hands and feet have been tied with cord and the order to strike or jump has been given, the bonds have been snapped asunder in a flash before the command was fairly out of the speaker's mouth. Now that's very interesting. Like super strength. Yes. That's very interesting. And that's the end of the article. So often with these old articles, that's how it, something will end with this with a very leading statement where you're like, well, this is the end of the article. Yeah, exactly. That's it? <laughs> oh, and then there was, you know, you know, some children's bones in a suitcase or something. Right. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> also, <laughs> I read you this. Mm -hmm. I read you the Wikipedia thing. Yeah. When Adam sent his email. Yeah. I read you the Wikipedia thing. I saw so your eyes get big and you're like, oh my God. 
What does it say to you? Is this an explanation or is this just a weird synchronicity? Well, it's almost such a niche that you, it's would be hard to overlook it. You know, it's like, like you said, it ticks so many boxes. To pretend that these two things aren't related. I don't know, here we have men who are almost like in a perpetual state of trance. Right. Sometimes reported on like the mirror men to be very tall. Right. Star- people with a startled look on their face. Almost in the way that a lot of people who report flannel man look as as if the person that's looking back at them is startled to be there. Right. Or now, that we're and, looking at them and, or who doesn't realize what just happened. Like the guy who ran up and kissed the lady and then is sort of in that moment in between where he's coming back to reality. And we talked about this like in your case in several of the flannel man cases, but, but in yours in particular, you said he looked surprised, like caught or surprised. Caught, yeah. Which is a form of startled, you know? Yeah. I mean, like they're startled in a sense. Mm-hmm. Startled to be seen. Yeah. Is there more on the technical side of the illness we need to cover? Or can we get into wild speculation? Well, I, most of the the research into the illness is wild speculation. That's true. They don't have a lot they of... They don't have a huge swath of people to to have a control group and a regular group within the, to even... If do a scientific study on them. If you look up jumping Frenchmen on YouTube, there's there's one video of a young man, which he seems very... It seemed very genuine. Yeah, and he seems very troubled by it. Uh, and also it seemed like it started as a result of a traumatic event. Well, that's the thing. Like This isn't to cast aspersions on what may be an, a real neurological disorder. Uh-huh. But he said it started the day after his mother died. That's... a to me that's such a heavy psychological moment yeah you have to look at that aspect of it even if it was only the stress weakened his system which allowed this maybe Mm. dormant neurological syndrome to kick Mm, in or a virus or something to cause these and it's it's a very serious thing and and he's very troubled by you know people take advantage Mm -hmm. of him and you, you can tell he he's not happy about it and my heart goes out to him and I mean, what can you imagine living with this? Just literally being at the whim of other people. Yeah. It's one thing to be made fun of, but to have those people also control what you're doing. Right, yeah. I mean, and what a jerk that guy was in that article, that Reynolds guy. Oh, yeah. Like, like it wasn't enough, all the other things that had happened. Yeah, he just did, keeps did, going. Does all this horrible stuff to these guys, and then he's the one who calls his son's death, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. He, he came up behind a guy, a jumper, who was using an axe and tells the guy to throw the axe, which happens to hit his son. It's one of those, like, you know, like, like you, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. It's just rough fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine lumber camps were extremely rough places. Like Yeah, I, I just imagine the only thing to do was work and drink. Yeah, and like, and if, then like what you, that atmosphere must be like, an all-male atmosphere with not a lot of ways to eliminate frustrations yeah, beyond, I, I mean, like, a lot of chopping. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining, like, a Deadwood kind of situation mm-hmm. as far as, like, the roughness of characters on there. and that. Yeah. I mean, these aren't people, unless they, you, well, maybe some people just grew up in that culture. You know, I wonder if this wasn't apparent in some small mining communities that maybe it wasn't documented. Something, some uh, other odd 
neurologic right. disease that's peculiar to a particular society. Right, yeah. So here's my thoughts. Okay. Here's my wild speculation and my call out to those who in the future may see Flannel Man. Mm-hmm. Poke him with a stick? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. So my thought is, and the, the doctor who did all the original research mm-hmm. said that this syndrome could in some way be related to, to trance, right? He did think so. Trance is used in many forms of occultism. It's used in to get people into out-of-body experiences. It's used to get into astral travel. What if what people are seeing, that's flannel man, mm-hmm. what Jedediah saw as these mirrored flannel men, are in some way these jumpers mm-hmm. sort of jumping out of their body and projecting themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're so startled because they didn't really know where they were going. Right. They may not do it. It may not be conscious on their part. Mm-hmm. It may be jumping. And maybe even, I mean, if we're going to get real crazy, maybe they're jumping through time as well as, yeah. as, well as you know, space. And that the trance acts as a conduit between, you know, my hypnagogic trance-like state meets with with someone's neurological disease. Right, you're kind of meeting on the plane of trance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like you're you're, you're meeting. What am I even saying? (laughs) Like, (laughs) here is where I am. Welcome to Strange Familiars, Allison. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes you've been on, but welcome to Strange Familiars. You're finally here. Yeah, it only took 63 episodes and 22 years of marriage. <laughs> and you're sober. Yeah, I'm completely sober. So my call out to anyone in the future who happens to see Flannel Man. Tickle him. No? Mm-mm. Poke him. Order him to do something. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend, you know, throw your axe. Yeah. But maybe uh, slap your face, uh, pat your head, rub your tummy, whatever it is. Pull your beard. Yeah, whatever it is, give him a command, a sudden, you know, startling command. Now, I realize that's asking a lot because... You know what mine would have been? Turn the light on. (laughs) The light wasn't on? No, it was a rare misstep on my part by sleeping with the light off. Oh, I let you sleep, or I, I convinced you to sleep with the light off. That's so not going to happen you again. You let me convince you to sleep <laughs> with the light off. Oh, I thought your command was going to be, get out. Get out, yeah. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> the presence of mind required to issue a command, maybe, that's asking a lot because you're startled. I think most people are startled uh-huh. when they see this. And if this is happening in a dream the, state, you have to be aware enough to know which state you're it, in. It's like asking people to take a photo of Bigfoot. Yeah. And it's like I often say, the last thing you're thinking about is getting your phone out of your camera and getting the camera and taking a picture. You're, you're in the moment. You're experiencing this. However, mm-hmm. maybe someone can do it. Maybe someone wakes up, they see Flannel Man, whatever it is. They issue a command and wonder what happens. Well, if he's part of your mind anyway, wouldn't he just do it anyway? Maybe. If he's not part of your mind. Yeah. You know, and maybe he just disappears. Maybe the maybe the command would be enough to jump him to, back, to snap him back, or whatever. But it's to just me. An there's some things idea. that are just like this is just too weird. The whole connection. Yeah, it's just 
I mean, it'd be one thing if these sort of people who exhibit mirrored qualities, that would be weird enough on its own right. You're like, oh, look, here's a scientific explanation for what someone might have seen. And then you go, and it only happens in a small niche community of lumberjacks. Right. (laughs) Right. Lumberjack It's like man. only people who were in color guard in the 1960s, you know, or it's like such an obscure and s- small amount of people. And I mean, and to be clear, Lumberjack Man was the other name they called this guy besides Flannel Man. Mm-hmm. Or a brawny man. <laughs> but literally, that's what, mm-hmm. what I think the original like post I read, wherever it was, called him flannel man and lumberjack man mm-hmm. they said like like the, both yeah and i think i referred to him initially as the lum- as a lumberjack guy i think so because that's yeah. what he looked like to me he looked like a lumberjack i also think it's interesting that this happened the last person that we got a report from was in this area of michigan quite close to where these jumpers had lived the last report we published yeah the last report we published yeah there's right before we heard this this little tidbit right right we we have there's plenty more flannel man coming on strange familiars i have so many i can't even man believe account. that like i can't even believe this is a thing most people who have seen flannel man can't believe it's a thing it's still shocking to people and i think that's also one of the odd side effects of living in the age of the internet in in that things that people thought were solitary incidents or experiences once you get to talk to and have access to the rest of the world, you find out that that isn't the case. Yeah. And this weird stuff, too. Like, who would have thought we would get this many flannel man reports? Who would have thought that other podcast, Monsters Among Us, would get multiple reports of these mirrored men? And then who would think we'd get a flannel man, mirror man crossover report? The week before we start to hear about jumping Frenchman's <laughs> Well, we heard about it, frankly, because the, the guy yeah. heard the podcast and told us. So if you've seen these mirrored men. Or a jumping Frenchman. Or a flannel man. I'd also be interested in talking to people who are of French-Canadian descent just to hear some more um, just cultural lore, because I don't really know a lot about, like, French-Canadian Quebecois uh, culture. Right. I think that would be interesting because I, I feel like there's probably other things that might pop out. Relative to yeah. this. Relative. Yeah. I, when uh, just thinking about like sort of a potential ancestor kind of thing, visiting other people. Right. There were a lot of logging people in Pennsylvania. Maybe they don't hop too far away. Maybe. And also, I mean, maybe maybe within, you know, French-Canadian folklore, there's something, some equivalent to Flannel Man that we just don't know of because we're not, we don't know the right search terms or whatever, yeah. you know, the case may be. So, yeah, that would be really interesting. I suspect... We have to have some French-Canadian listeners, right? I'm sure we do, yeah. I suspect we're going to get more mirrored men reports now, now that we've talked about it. Please keep the Flannel Man reports coming. We are writing a book on Flannel Man, which now is going to have to include some information on mirrored men and uh, jumping Frenchmen, absolutely. Did you know that the mirror men then also relate back to the bubble men? (laughs) Now you're getting (laughs) deep into (laughs) musical obscurity and... On that front, can I do like a shout out to another podcast that I've been listening to? Yeah, absolutely. 
there's a great podcast if you like Echo and the Bunnymen called Is There an Echo in Here? And then you can find it at shaneparish.com. I've been listening to it. If you love obsessive research, but in the relation to Liverpool in the late 70s, which is right down my alley. <laughs> I highly recommend it. This is an unpaid promotion just because I really love this podcast. That's fine. What's it called again? It's called Is There an Echo in Here? And it's all about just Echo and the Bunnymen. It's not on iTunes. It's just on their website. I believe it's just on their website for now. What's Give their website again. It's uh, Shane Parrish with one R dot com. We'll put that link in the show notes. Mirrored men reports, final man reports, any weird reports you have of these entities that people are seeing at night, usually, mm-hmm. uh, not exclusively. These weird entities, we'd love to hear them. These, these creepy stories of these, what was the quote I read recently? Humans that are somehow not human. And I forget where I read that quote, but I thought that's, that's great, right? Yeah, what are they then? Yeah, like like, but that sort of describes these these entities that people are seeing. They're they're humans that are somehow not human, like the guys who show up in the clothing from another time period to interview you. Men in black. Yeah. Yes. So I want to thank Beyond Creepy and Phantoms and Monsters for giving us permission to use those Mirrored Men accounts in the show this week. And speaking of Flannel Man, we just made a Flannel Man Strange Familiars t-shirt, so we'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. It's the Flannel Man design I did for our first Flannel Man episode, kind of tweaked and changed around, and I think it looks really good. When we get the PayPal me donations to help Mm -hmm. us out with the podcast, I can't reply to them Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know why PayPal does that, but if you reply, it goes right back to PayPal. So I can't thank the people directly via email. So I would like to thank some people who made contributions this week, Richard E. and Eric C. Thank you very much. That's a huge help. Absolutely huge help. I know not everyone can subscribe via Patreon. So thank you so much. I want to thank all of our new patrons who came in after the last episode. It was a witch or a Sasquatch. Have we conclusively figured out which one it is? No, we're not. Which going, witch is which? We're not going to either. because There's a lot of unanswered questions on Strange Familiars. They may, in fact, be the same thing, this witch and Sasquatch. We're all unanswered questions. I mean, we're dealing with the paranormal. If you're not willing to... as Josh so kindly quoted, I believe it was McKenna in the introduction to my new book, Don't Look Behind You, available on Amazon. That was subtle. Besides the whole introduction being extremely complimentary to me, one of the nicest things he said is that that I am willing to sit with the mystery. And again, I believe that's a term he borrowed from McKenna. And I really kind of feel that's incredibly accurate. If you're not willing to sit with the mystery and realize that possibly answers are not forthcoming... Yeah, the chase is always better than the kill anyway, isn't it? It really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, once we know, then we know. But I, like I always say, we've been, this stuff has been with us since the dawn of time and we haven't figured it out yet. So mm-hmm. don't get your hopes up that you're going to find any answers before before your time is over. But it's still incredibly interesting. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. exciting. I absolutely love it. So I'm I'm willing to be in the mystery. Let's, mm-hmm. let, it, let it surround me. Yeah, now you've drugged me in. 
<laughs> We're going to be going weekly, I guess, for a little while here. Try it out. Uh, so there'll be a lot more Strange Familiars coming your way. A lot more regular episodes, a lot more patron episodes. Yeah, we actually have uh, quite a few ideas. We do. We pages do. of ideas. Pages so. of ideas and lots of interviews already banked. we got some really cool, weird stuff coming up. There's some really weird encounters that that uh, I'll be putting out there. The next one, it might be the next episode, me and Josh Cutchin uh, interviewed a witness to something that was really, really weird, very strange, and definitely more flannel men shows coming. I've got, I've got flannel man interviews banked. There's at least two more flannel man shows coming up. I'll try to space them out so it's not all flannel man all mm-hmm. the time. I'm sure we'll get more after that. I know there's other witnesses who've contacted me. It's like you know that we, I just need to do the interviews. So a lot some more, more strange st- history, some um, more true crime stuff coming. True crime, some wild women of the postcard era. Oh yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So, and got to get back to the powwowing and I know that's classic the, strange familiars, local history. Yeah, and, uh, a lot of local history coming up too. Yeah, that kind of ties in with the true crime a little mm-hmm. bit. Can't find a mystery anywhere. Pick a town, any town. A <laughs> lot more on the horizon. So thanks everybody for listening. Strangefamiliars dot com. If you want to contact us. Facebook.com slash Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is brought to you by Dark Hollow Arts. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath, which you can find at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. We will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Spun and spinning, waiting to be turned. Silver silk now weaving, songs waiting to be heard. Silver web of shining thread, gleaming cord and braid. Knotted string touch everything as it blooms and fades. As it blooms and fades Listen to the spider Spreading on her web Where her fine, fine thread Entwines the sleeping dead Silver web, oh shining thread Gleaming cord and braids Knotted string touch everything as it burns and fades, oh, as it burns and fades. It's tied unto sweet Mary's tongue, fastened to the stars, and twisted through Osiris' eyes to anchor on far shores. Oh, silver web, oh, shining thread, gleaming cord and braid. Knotted string touch everything As it blooms and fades Oh, as it blooms and fades Why 
winds among the sharp hawthorn and weaves all through the leaves to twist upon the branches high, connecting tree to tree. Silver web, oh shining thread, oh gleaming cord and braids, oh knotted string touch everything as it blooms and fades, oh as it burns and fades. Carrying the oak's lost word from black ground to the cloud, it follows lightning strike to earth to make the moss find shroud. Silver web, oh shining thread, gleaming cord and braids, oh knotted string touch everything as it burns and fades, oh as it blooms and fades. Shining thread, gleaming cord and braids, mounted string touch everything as it blooms and fades, oh, as it burns and fades.